0: Okay, so friends, we have something super fun and a bit different for you in today's episode. Our guest for today's episode is my sweet husband, Carl Wilson. This is his second appearance on the Girls Night podcast, and I could not be more excited. In our conversation today, Carl and I are answering some of your biggest questions about the engagement season. We're sharing about expectations and how we can be intentional with our time during this season of life. We also talk about how to navigate conflict, how to communicate with each other, and how to make decisions together when you're engaged kinda tricky, but we're gonna talk it through. This conversation was so much fun. Carl has amazing wisdom on how to make the most of this season and set your marriage up for success. So if you're currently a bride-to-be and wondering how to live this season to the full, this episode is for you. But before we dive in, I wanted to take one quick second to tell you guys about one of my very favorite resources that we have around here. It's called the Lipstick Gospel Devotional, and it is a 90-day devotional to help you consistently connect with God, hearing from Him, trusting His plans, and feeling His presence in your everyday life. In this devotional, we talk about how to consistently spend time with God and how to feel connected to Him well beyond your morning quiet times. We talk about how to step into your God-given identity, feeling truly beautiful and good enough in your skin. We talk about how to keep your faith strong in the midst of transition, uncertainty, and really hard days. We talk about how to trust the plans God has for your life and how to figure out what the heck those plans actually are. And that's just the beginning. I just got a message from a sweet reader who's been reading through the devotional lately, and she had the kindest things to say. I wanna read her words to you, but I'm gonna try not to cry as I do, because seriously, they meant the world to me. She said, the Lipstick Gospel devotional has been nothing short of life-changing. I cannot thank you enough for your wisdom, realness, and the comfort that comes from your God-given words. I crave my morning devotion time. It has helped me get to a place of joy and of peace that I've truly never experienced before. Blessed would be an understatement. Uh, okay, see why I want to cry reading that? That's amazing. Thank you so much for reading Holly and for your sweet words. Now friends, if you are in the kind of place that Holly is and if you are looking to grow in your faith these days, I would love to share this with you. To pick up a copy, you can go to smaywilsonshop.com, or you can click the link in my Instagram profile. I'm at smaywilson over on Instagram. Okay, now without any further ado, let's hop into my conversation with Carl. Friends, I'm so excited for what we have for you today. I'm sitting here with someone who's... Not a girl, but someone who really is maybe the biggest fan of Girls' Night out of anybody. I'm sitting here with my dear husband, Carl Wilson. Number one fan. Number one fan. Yeah. Carl. President of
1: the fan club, really.
0: I mean, do you have a t-shirt or something? Do they make t-shirts for that?
1: Uh, yeah. They, we, they're like puffy pink. I made them myself.
0: Yeah, all mm-hmm. right.
1: Iron-on letters, the whole thing.
0: Is there any bedazzling or anything to them?
1: Uh, not so much. Not so much the bedazzling. I saved that for my jeans. <laughs> <laughs> denim, denim only. And bedazzler.
0: That's amazing. Yeah. This has started off well. Um, <laughs> so, Carl, I I am really happy to have you here because we're going to be talking about a topic today that I've been meaning. I've been meaning to bring this up for a long time. And um, it sounds like I'm about to give you some feedback in life. Like, Carl, I've been meaning to sit you down and mm. talk to you about this for a while. Mm. And I thought this was the moment. So I've really been wanting to talk about this on the show for a while, and the timing is really perfect, but before we even get into that, I almost skipped over the most important part. Carl, tell us who you are, what you yeah. do, and most your, important part. your fun fact.
1: I'm Carl Wilson. I'm Stephanie's husband, and have been for about five years now. <laughs> I what do what do I do?
0: Yeah, what
1: do you do? So I have a a branding agency design studio here in Nashville um, called Loom, Loom Studio. And we help growing brands create uh, create an atmosphere and environment that better looks like them. That better represents them. A lot of people have dreams and goals and vision for what they want to become, what they want their business to become, what they want their personal brand to become, what they want their you know, career to become, their product. And the way they look, the way they talk about it, the way um, it's perceived by other people doesn't match the vision they have for it in their head. And so our goal is to merge strategy with really great design and, and storytelling to Really, yeah, help people get to where they want to go uh, and look like they belong there.
0: I love that. That's a great explanation.
1: Oh, well, thank you.
0: (laughs) Um, I also feel like people would be like, well, great, Stephanie, that that's what your husband does. But I feel like we should be clear with the fact that you have absolutely helped me with a lot of things, but you're not like the man behind the scenes. Like you're not doing all of my things for me. I wish you would. But unfortunately, you have other clients that you have to take care of.
1: Yeah, no, we I like doing things for you. I also like that there are other people that get to be involved so that it's not just me and my in what I think that I'm obviously not totally the target demographic. <laughs> uh and so I like that there's other influences and other voices that get to, to speak into and, and, and shape what Stephanie Wilson looks like.
0: I love that. I yeah. love that. Um, okay, so give me your fun fact. Well
1: you you have one that you like Right?
0: Well, I only came up with one for you because I sprung this interview on you, like, really pretty early in the morning, and we've talked about this a little bit on the show, but morning time is where I'm, like, my best. I just wanted to give you a minute to wake up. So, if you have a different fun fact, go ahead and hit me with it, but if you don't, I did come prepared for, I did come prepared with one for you.
1: I mean, there are lots of, there are lots of facts. I don't know. I think they're all fun, but... (laughs) But it doesn't mean that other people do. The one you were talking about was that I was in a movie, but like, let's be clear: like a pretty. It was a feature length movie, not the biggest budget <laughs> movie. It was available on DVD somewhere sometime.
0: Does Kathy have a copy?
1: I think we do. Okay,
0: we're or gonna, we did.
1: We're it may, it us. may have, it may have been lost at some point. But yeah. Uh, I I played the—it's it's a movie about this kid in high school He's a lacrosse player, and I played the, like, rival lacrosse player on another team.
0: The mean guy.
1: The mean guy.
0: Oh, so funny. I haven't yeah. seen the whole thing. I've well, seen clips.
1: what's funny is that, like, all of these kids, and including the, like, the main character, were, like, in high school. And I was, like, a senior in college. <laughs> like, significantly larger than most of the, like— than most of the kids, though.
0: <laughs> Which is good because the bully is supposed to be big and scary. Yeah,
1: so. yeah. So it kind of works. But like, I think I shaved, <laughs> but I might have had like, I like might have had a little bit, not a full oh. beard, <laughs> but like that kind of adds to the added to the character, I felt
0: like. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. yeah I don't know how many like high school freshmen can grow a full beard. You might have stuck out a little bit that way. Well, that's amazing. If yeah. you think of any other fun facts, you can go ahead and throw them in. Okay. So, Carl, today we're going to be talking about engagement. And um, I'm really excited about this topic because it's something that we've been talking about a lot in life, in our own lives recently, because my baby sister is engaged. Yeah. Um, And I always call her my baby sister, but to be clear, she's like 27 years old. Totally. So she's not a baby, per se.
1: She's babier than you. She's
0: babier than me. And right. she always she's just always going to feel like my baby sister. So anyway, my baby sister's engaged, which means she's wedding planning and doing all the things that goes along with it. And um, she's been asking us a million questions, which has been so good because I feel like when you... It's been really gratifying for me because you plan a wedding. When you're engaged, you plan a wedding. And you get good at it right before you actually get married. And then all of those skills are totally non-transferable. Yeah, Like you just, it doesn't matter that you know how to pick out the perfect flowers for, you know, 47 different tables or whatever. Like, yeah, it's just not necessary information anymore, which is unless you become a wedding planner in which case it's great, but, but um. so it's been really great to talk to Kelly through these things and to remember like, oh, I totally have thoughts about this or we did that yeah. wrong. Let's yeah. <laughs>
1: like help you. Well, I think that that's, I mean, that's definitely true with, with weddings. And, and I think most people hope that they only plan their own wedding one time, yeah. but I think that that, that idea is true for a lot of things. And really like, when you think about it, like, there are a lot of things in life that are that way that you don't actually like, you may have a similar opportunity again, but like you don't get a chance to go back and do that thing again. Yeah. And so you've gained this knowledge and this experience. And so what, if you can't go back and do it again, what are you going to do with that, that thing that you have? And you can either like, yeah, use it to help somebody do theirs their way or just kind of keep it to yourself and wish that, you know, wish that you would have done it done it differently. But I think about like, obviously we don't have kids yet or anything like that. But like, I think about that of, of yeah, you learn things as you go, but every kid is different. So it's not like you can't, I can't get a reset on kid number one. Like (laughs) That's not what kid number two is or yeah. Or things like that. Even in, even in other relationships, like, you know, you know, work and stuff like that. I think about that sometimes with clients of like, I want to constantly be learning from things that went well and things that went wrong, but like every client is, is different. And so you don't necessarily know like what, yeah, you can't necessarily like just get a redo. You just have to take that and use that. And I think one of the best ways to use that is to help other people.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. Um, and so this has just been something we've been talking about a lot. My sister, and we've been talking about the logistics of being engaged in wedding planning, but then also like all the hard stuff that goes along with this huge transition. And then the other thing that's been so fun is that my amazing community manager, she's on my team here at All Things Stephanie Mae Wilson um, is Kate and Kate is engaged and she is actually getting married in May also. And so Kate actually came up with most of these questions for us just out of the conversations she's having with her engaged girlfriends, out of the things she's wondering, out of just the things that she knows are are a struggle or a, a, pain point when people are engaged and so anyway between Kate and Kelly we have a whole list of questions about engagement and i'm hoping that we can just share some of the things that happened with us and that we learned along the way and it, like at the very least help you know that you're not alone I, yeah i think at the very least help you know that you're not alone and and maybe give you something to just make it just a tad easier. Mm-hmm. Um so Carl, I have just a bunch of questions and I'm gonna dive in and ask them to okay. you and I'll weigh into so don't yeah. worry about that. But yeah, yeah. so first of all, I want to ask, you know, I think that we have major expectations when it comes to the season of being engaged. Like there may be few seasons that we have more expectations on. Does that make I don't know if that sentence made sense. Like we just have huge expectations. So what were your expectations for engagement and I feel like this is a good time to just give people a little bit of background. What did our engagement season actually look like?
1: Yeah. I, th- I think that, I don't know what my expectations were. And I think that that's part of why it can be a challenge for people is it's one of those things that, I mean, it's the ideal comp- like example of what you're talking about of like, I haven't done this before. I'm probably never going to do it again. I mean, maybe, and that's okay. But like, there's a lot of secondhand information <laughs> Of like, and this is ironic because it's obviously what we're doing right now. But like, there's a lot of like stories, and you know, you know, a lot of what other people's experiences have been. And so, like, this collection of of stories and experiences kind of shapes yours, but yours is is different and unique. And so, it's this combination of trying to experience something while also kind of reconciling your experience to what you've heard from other people, and and not necessarily on purpose. Although I do, I think it like easily lends itself to comparison, but like trying to create your own thing while also having to, like, I don't know how you avoid comparing to, to other people's experience. Well,
0: and especially because it's a really big deal. Like engagement is this crazy season and you have yeah. thought about it a lot. And so you want to do it right. right. Like quote unquote. And so I yeah. think that the thing that like, I remember doing that a lot, looking around at other couples and being like, how much time do they spend together? How many dates do they go on? Yeah. How are they doing their finances? How are they planning their wedding? Like just, I wanted to make sure I was doing it right. Mm-hmm. But really, I think what we found is that every engagement season is different and yeah. Yeah. I feel like you want to talk about that
1: a little. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think it's true that you, you don't know, you know, unlike some things previous in life, and it's different, obviously, depending on when you get married, but like some things are a lot of things where you have to, you don't get immediate feedback. I think in, in engagement season of like, you feel like there's the pressure of this sets up our marriage. And if we do engagement wrong, our marriage is going to be messed up from the beginning, or it's going to be harder, or there's going to be something that like, and that's not true. Like there are things you can do to set yourself up to be successful in marriage as you're going through your engagement. But if you don't spend enough time doing whatever, when you're engaged, it doesn't mean You can't do it when you're married or, you know, oh, we didn't pray enough when we were engaged. So now we're going to be godless as a couple. Like, that's not how that works. It's this. And so I think a little bit, I think that we should be intentional. And it's really special, this season of engagement, but it's not. A bubble. It's not this exclusive thing where these things are for engagement and everything else like exists outside of that. There are things from before engagement that really matter and really impact your engagement and your marriage and your life beyond that. And there are things that happen after that are totally fine, like within engagement. Like it doesn't there's not as hard a break, I think, between these seasons as we like to think that there is.
0: I feel like it's kind of like, you know, forever, I would put so much pressure on New Year's mm-hmm. um, because I'm like, okay, this is, or my birthday or something. Right, well, right. I'm always, I still put pressure sure. on my birthday. I feel like I should not say that in front of you because you know, <laughs> <laughs> that's very true. But it's like, oh my gosh, if I don't spend New Year's well, or if New Year's day isn't yeah. perfect or whatever, that means like my whole year is kicked off in a bad right. way. And it's like, well, no, it's like, it's just another date on the calendar. And if you want to start your year on like January 10th, which is usually what I do, yeah. um, then great. Like it doesn't, it doesn't having a, a bad New Year's Eve or whatever. I mean, I feel like everyone has bad New Year's Eve. So they're yeah. never what we expect. Does not mean that the following year is going to be a wreck.
1: Yeah, it's, it really is like this, this, this process. Of, I mean, to me, that's, that's what it's about. It's a, it's about this, like this in between and this transition. But a lot of that is realizing that marriage is figuring out how to solve problems together and figuring out how to overcome obstacles and, and to just generally do life together. And that process is no different, you know, engagement versus like in engagement than, than out of it. It's not like the problems are larger when you're engaged or things like that. But I think sometimes we think that we think that they are, or we don't, we, we pretend, I think that like, one of the hard parts I think about engagement is that there's this pressure that like all of it has to be on one person, all of the planning, all of the organization, all of the problem solving is on one person. And then magically this togetherness will start once the marriage starts. And that's like one of these big myths that no, like this is a time to practice that togetherness and that problem solving together. And so both people need to be intentional about that and create opportunities and create space for that that collective problem solving to happen. But the overarching theme is like, again, in the same way we tell people not to wait for certain things. Like, don't wait when you're single for things that like to happen when you're engaged. Don't wait when you're engaged for things to be different when you're married. Because that 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 showing up on the one day and being engaged and waking up the next day and being married. Yeah, you feel different, but you're still you. And so use that time to, to figure out how to do, how to be, how to practice being the people that you want to be in marriage, knowing that in marriage is continually just practicing who you want to be in marriage. Right. Like, it's not like practice, practice, practice. And then marriage is game day. And then the rest, like it actually counts. Yeah. Right. Like it's, it's very much like always trying to get better at being married. Yeah, like when you're engaged, it's about being trying to get better at being married, and when you're married, it's about trying to get better at being married.
0: Yeah, I really like that. Um, I feel like I I like that you said that about wedding planning. I do think that there's this idea that that the woman is supposed to be entirely in charge of the wedding, and I think sometimes that's just sort of what was modeled for us. And so we think, okay, like that's what what it is or that's what our friends did. Or sometimes I think we have such high expectations of our wedding that like to let anyone else in on the planning is really scary and really Mm -hmm. hard, which like- That's something for us to start to get over because you don't want to be the sole person in charge of your life. You want, you're marrying this person so that they can also contribute to the plan of your life. And it will look a little bit different than it would if you were on your own, but that's the beauty of it. Um, Mm. Or sometimes I think it's like lack of knowledge or expectations or sometimes laziness on the part of the person who's not helping. Um, You and I, really planned our wedding entirely together though and i feel like i always thought about it i was like this is the best team building exercise in the entire world no it is yeah. it really was it was the first time we kept a budget together mm-hmm. it was the first time we really i mean we had to talk through all kinds of expectations there were all kinds of opportunities for like conflict almost like it's yeah. like every no, it is. Yeah. It's, there's so many opportunities there's so many problems to solve really but i really i want to just touch on this really quickly um we had a big you know, all of our expectations about engagement, you know, I think that in some ways I thought it was going to be the most special time of my whole life because mm. people talk about it that way. I also thought it was going to be the most miserable part of my whole life because people <laughs> also talk about it that way, which that's hard to hold both of those in, totally. in both your hands yeah. at the same time. But regardless, there was something that I didn't expect to happen during our engagement that that threw a wrench in it for us. Um, do you want to just touch on that quickly and then we can...
1: Um, yeah. So, you know, we met when we were working together at, at a nonprofit and three months. So we got married at the beginning of July in March, right? March uh, of that year. We both came into work on a random Thursday out of the blue and were told that we didn't have jobs anymore. And that was shocking to say the least. I think that we didn't, neither one of us expected that to be the case and all of the things that come along with that as well of, okay, you know, we weren't living in like a big city at the time or anything. It was kind of out in a suburb and and stuff like that. And so faced with all the questions of like, not only do we have to like, are we planning a wedding that is happening in three months, but now like we had planned on, on staying there for a while, like for at least a year, I think to just have some stability and have some normalcy and, God said, nope, (laughs) no, you, your ideas of stability are not, are not what's going to happen. And so instead we're going to go, we're going to do the opposite and you're going to have to find a new place to live, like a new town, a new city, whatever, and a new like apartment house, whatever Uh, you're going to have to both find new jobs. You're going to have to make new friends. You're going to have to figure out, you know. It, it what you've thought life has looked like is not going to be what it looks like and so that was also a part of a part of our engagement season was You know, we had, I think we had planned on going, okay, we're going to like take it slow and, and, and learn what it's like to be married in the confines of like a known environment. We've lived here for a few years now and like things are familiar and like, this is our grocery store. This is our favorite restaurant. And this like, these are our friends and stuff like that. And we didn't, that wasn't available to us. I mean, I guess we could have stayed, but really like there, there wasn't anything else for us in this, in this town at that point in, in life. And so it was time for a change and and that was a good thing, but yeah, it was, uh, Hey, you've got three months to find new jobs while also trying to find ways to work in the meantime. So you have money to be married and, and to get, you know, an apartment when you move to this new place and to move and all of those things, like just compounded into a fun little, a fun little problem to solve <laughs> together. <laughs> So, yeah, we definitely had opportunities to practice problem, problem solving, solving beyond just, you know, centerpieces and, and. White
0: versus ivory tablecloths.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: Which absolutely was something we had to decide. But I feel like thinking about that, I like want to hug us. <laughs> um, I just like want to wrap my arms around us. That uh, season, actually, or that day when we lost our jobs was, um, I think, five years ago today. Isn't that nuts? Nice? <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's wild.
0: Isn't that crazy? That's Um, really wild. So I think like just one takeaway as you guys are listening to this and thinking about your own engagement season, like a part of me was, I was a little hesitant to even talk about engagement um, because I know that it's different for everybody and everyone's, you know, relationships different. Everyone's season of life is different. But I think that I think regardless of who you are and regardless of what your season looks like, it might be different than what you expected in in great ways and, and in hard ways. And, and you just have like, life continues to sort of happen regardless of what stage of life we're in. You know, life happens when you're dating. Like, I mean, we went through, we had family members get sick. We had family members die when we were dating and like life just kind of kept on going and we had to start to learn to work through it together And I think that that's, you know, what we've been talking about, that engagement is a really great time to start just on a new level of commitment. Because you're you're starting to learn to work together when you're dating. But Mm -hmm. when you get engaged, it's a new level of commitment to each other um, and really work as a team and as a partnership. And I think, you know, as much as I want to, like, go, like, hug us five years ago, I also am really grateful for that season because we are so much better at being married because we, like went through a crazy obstacle course in the first several months of our relationship. Like we're so much better communicators because of it. We're so much better at loving each other. We have been able to weather other hard, you know, turbulent seasons because of what we've been through together. And so I think knowing that like, regardless of how complicated it it is or simple it is because of all kinds of different factors, your engagement season is a time of learning to really work as a team. And learning to work as a team will make, every season of life better for you together so when we are engaged um, and this is sort of a logistical question and a heart question some about wedding planning but mostly just about like future planning what are some must-have conversations that we need to have like before we get married um or what are some of the conversations that we had about life and about you know what we're heading towards and things like that?
1: yeah I, I think that understanding I I guess I don't know like what, again, like back to this theme of like, I don't feel like they are necessarily questions that or conversations that are like, these are questions or conversations only for engagement, or you have to wait until you're engaged to talk about these things, or there's not like a, a list necessarily. But like, I think to me, that's when, if you haven't talked about things like, I mean, money, then you have to talk about money and you have to talk about like what, it, what you do well in terms of money what your weakness are what you, your weaknesses are in terms of money what what other things like okay let's put it all let's just put it all out on the table and go hey well, I don't, we haven't really talked about this and paying my own bill but like I have this college debt that you don't <laughs> really know about or like I have these credit cards <laughs> uh and things like that like now's the time yeah um I think just like lifestyle kind of things too of starting to understand what your expectations are in terms of the way that your daily life goes and depending on what your situation is before you get engaged and how much time you spend together and things like that. Like there's a lot of things about how you go about your day that you take for granted and and don't involve anybody else and and that you really have grown accustomed to and things that the other person doesn't know about about you. And that's not wrong because it's just stuff that's like you don't really necessarily think about. It's things like you have a morning routine and now having another person there around is going to impact your morning routine. Like how do you fill each other in on that kind of stuff? Or, Hey, when I come home from work, this is something that I, I like to do, or I need this much space or I need, you know, this much time together. And and that's stuff that like, obviously you can't plan it all and map it all out, but, but it's almost more important for you to just think through it than to have to explain it to the other person like you you'll catch up to each other yeah. but but realize what you bring what other stuff you're bringing into this thing so that you I mean honestly so that you can take ownership over your own things and that to me is like one of those hard balances in in engagement and transitioning from engage like from dating to engagement and engagement to marriage is that we I think different cultures do and, and the way that they present marriage, present different ideas of how closely tied your lives should be, but there, they, there aren't rules for that thing. Like there's no, there's no article about that in the, in the bridal magazine Yeah, and finding that criteria of like, of what that looks like to balance your own space and your own time and your own needs and your own, you know, world with this other person's. And, and most people swing really far to the, like, everything has to be together. Everything has to be completely integrated. We have to merge and sync our schedules completely. We have to like all, all of the, whatever could be smashed together must be like smashed into one cohesive unit. And I just don't like personally, I don't think that's realistic and that's fine if it works for some people, but I, I think that that it's okay to have parts of your life that are just parts of your life as an individual. And that makes the collective unit of you as a married couple or even as an engaged couple that much better. Of going, you know, you need that space and that's okay. And there's it doesn't mean anything bad about us that like that you're allowed to go do the thing you want to do. You love running. I'm talking to them hypothetically because it's not true of either of us. Of
0: either of us, <laughs> yeah. Like
1: you love running. The expectation shouldn't be that all of a sudden I love and want to go running with you. If I do, that's cool, but don't put that Like that doesn't automatically now have to become something that I'm like in love with or does anything for me personally because we're engaged now or because we're married now. Like maybe it's that that time is really good for you to go be by yourself and to go do this thing that you love. And in that time, I'm going to go read a book or do this other Mm -hmm. thing that I love. And that balance of of time together and time away is actually really important. Time to pursue things on our own and also making time to pursue things together only makes us stronger. And so hopefully, like that's the kind of stuff to talk through though too, of like, and it doesn't, you don't have to come with this prepared list, right? right. Like, but I think just being aware of those things and, and learning to be aware of those things, again, it it doesn't start in engagement and it doesn't stop with, with marriage, but making the habit of kind of taking an inventory of your own needs
0: mm-hmm. is
1: a good habit to be in,
0: I think. Um, you know, I like that you said that we don't have to come with a solid list. I do remember at one point, and I think we're going to talk about premarital counseling in a minute, but um, I think we talked about this in premarital counseling, or this was part of it where I think we wrote down like a list of tasks that needed to get accomplished in a day. Mm -hmm. And we were like, okay, these will be yours. These will be mine. And it was things like laundry, budgeting, emptying the dishwasher, cooking, um, cleaning, like just things that humans need to do. And I think that we probably did make a list of like, this is going to be your thing or this is going to be my thing. And, and I honestly don't remember what we assigned to who. (laughs) Um, I don't remember which one was mine, which one was yours because it changed. Um, and it's changed over time and we've shifted and, and been like, actually, you know, I think I might be better at this or I have more time to do this or, you know, I have more time in this season, so let's switch or whatever. But I think having that conversation was really important because I know that depending on how we've been brought up or what our expectations are, I think some of us men and women have the expectation that both of us are in the workforce and that we split sure. all the domestic tasks some of us have the expectation that one of us doesn't work right. and does all the domestic tasks or things like right. that or like you know, my mom always cooked, which my parents shared it. So this is also hypothetical, but like my mom always cooked and had dinner on the table by six or whatever. And so is that an expectation or that is my expectation or having conversations like that. So I think that those are some bigger conversations where it's like, what is your role as the wife in our marriage? And what do I picture that looking like? And what do you picture that looking like? And I think another com- big conversation is like kids, like mm-hmm. that's a, that's a huge one. Yeah. Do you want kids? Do you not want kids? You know what? I think anything that you can think of where it's like, if my life doesn't look like this, I'm going to feel really disappointed or like I missed it. Mm-hmm. Um. I think that, you know, if, if I, if I don't have kids, I'm going to feel, or if I don't at least try, I feel like I'm not going to have live the life I want to live. Well, okay. That's really important to communicate. Or this seems like a small thing, but you know, this hasn't been a small thing for me. A huge thing has been travel. Uh-huh. If I married someone who did not want to travel with me or would not like support me in going on my own. Cause sometimes I travel without you and sometimes you travel without me. But if, if I married someone that that wasn't important to, I would feel like a giant chunk of myself in my life had not turned out um, the way that I hoped it would. Same with like, if someone, um, if I married someone who didn't expect me to have a career or or didn't want me to have a career, I would have missed a piece of like the core of who I am and what I'm meant to do in the world. So I think that those kinds of conversations, like some, if there's anything where it's like, if I get to the end of my life or if I get six months into my life or, you know, however long, and this isn't a part of it. We're like, that's going to be a big problem for me. Starting to talk about those things and figuring out like how you're gonna find some compromise, right? You know?
1: And it's so important because those, I think, are the areas of like the sources of like hidden or, or unexpected resentment. Yeah, of like, I always had this dream, and because we didn't talk about it, I got shoved into this role that isn't what I planned for life, and it's your fault. Yeah. Or I thought that like I was envisioned my life being a certain way and you want it to be something different and I'm not allowed to be the thing that I wanted to be, or I'm not allowed to do the thing that I wanted to do, or I'm stuck doing this thing that I hate. And obviously that's not a recipe for, for success in any situation, but especially in a marriage. And so figuring those things out and, and just having that conversation i think can be can be challenging but again it's 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 one that has to happen
0: and those it's conversations aren't fun at all but the result of not having them is even worse totally totally something that you know one of the questions that i have is it's sort of twofold. So one of the questions um, that we were given was, like, how do you handle conflict um, if you don't agree on something relating to the future, like finances or ho- holiday celebrations or where to live or one yeah. of these big things? Yeah. But then the other piece of it is, like, so this, the next question was, knowing that we're called to live selflessly, that we're called to put the other person ahead of ourselves, how do we engage in these conversations? Yeah. Like, how do you... I I think that sometimes we get ourselves in like a bit of a, I couldn't think of another word than pickle. So I'm going to go with pickle. (laughs) Cool. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, kind of find ourselves in a bit of a pickle when we're like, okay, we're talking about something in the future. I've always wanted to live. I I don't, this is just a random example, but like, I've always wanted to live in the city, but you want to live in the country, like total opposite. Yeah but i want to put you ahead of myself so i'm not going to tell you that i want to live like how do you how do you communicate what you need while also putting the other person like while also prioritizing the other person does yeah. that make sense yeah
1: it does i think it's bigger than just just marriage like this is part of this is true in all relationships but like there's a there's a tipping point where you're not getting the thing that you need is going to get in the way of you like being a good partner. And that's what I'm talking about, like things like re- resentment and and just these underlying feelings start to to come in and, and will disrupt your relationship in, in subtle ways, I think, at first. And you will talk yourself into like, but yeah, but like, I'm I'm deferring to this person or like, you know, I'm, I'm putting that person first. But the reality is that in the short term, yes, you might be. But in the long term, are you... Are you doing the thing that's best for, like, it's a certain form of like self care, right? Yeah. Like, if you're not taking care of yourself, if you're not doing some things that create space and create room for you to exist in the relationship, you're not gonna feel like you're contributing or or, or you know adding value in a way that that makes sense. And it's almost like there's this component that that is, I mean, I I think it it so just like our appearance and stuff like that, right? Like we're watching Queer Eye and it's great and everything. And there's like husband and wife and they're great. It's it's does she know she's beautiful? Yeah, on some level. Does he think she's beautiful? Yes, on some level. She thinks she's making things easier by just like not dressing up, not, you know, putting on a bunch of makeup and and everything like that. She's just kind of playing it cool. He's not asking her to do that, but I think on some level she feels like she's deferring to him or whatever. When in reality, that that little bit of time of self care and personal investment, and saying this is what I need, this is like what I know, and, and committing to that, the more you value yourself, I think the more that like the more fruitful that relationship becomes. Yeah. And so there's a difference between valuing yourself and prioritizing the other person are not exclusive.
0: Yeah.
1: In fact, they're probably more related than most of us think. Yeah. And I, it comes back to that thing about having time to do your own thing and create, like have your own space, but also realizing that like, I'm a better me when I do these things that I need. And when I do these things that I need, this better me is just better at loving you is better at taking care of you is better partner in this relationship. And that is worthwhile. That, that matters. That's meaningful. And it's not wrong.
0: Yeah. It's not. Yeah. So Carl, I love that we've been talking about this, about needing to show up and, and express your desires and your needs. And I, you know, I think one piece of it is there's a lot of compromise that comes with this. Like if you are saying something like, you know, if we're talking about the country versus the city living example, um, there might be seasons where you do live in the country and you want to live in the city, but then there are also seasons where you, where you can kind of swap and, or what is it about living in the city? How can we bring that into the country? Or, you know, it's just, I think that us recognizing that bringing our whole selves to the table is not us not prioritizing the other person. It's, it is us prioritizing the other person. Cause I think that like, this may sound extreme, but Saying what you need, and and even if it's going to cause some conflict, yeah. saying who you are and what you need and bringing your whole self to the table may cause a fight or an, a disagreement or an argument or a, or a, like a tense season. But I think that squashing that down for 20 years causes like the demise of a marriage.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it it's the whole thing is is, is compromising and, and learning to make decisions together and some of those things are yeah really obvious like okay we're gonna live i mean as an example we're gonna live in the country for five years or we're gonna live in the city for five years or whatever like that's fine or when in, in in terms of any of these things in terms of kids or or how you spend your money and stuff like that but you never know how you can never overcome that thing if you don't if you don't talk about it and you don't bring it up and you don't say hey this is you know what i need in this area and again then you create these opportunities to be able to problem solve together and right. and not feel like you have to problem solve on your own and then present this ready made solution to another person and and hope that that they're okay with that thing or never, or, or never bring it up, never get the thing that you want. There are a lot of things that have happened where, you know, I, I mean, this is part of the, I think part of the whole point of marriage is there are a lot of things that we wouldn't choose or do if it was just us. But because this other person is a part of our life and because this other person has their own needs and their own wants, and their own desires, they challenge us and they push us and they get us to do things that we wouldn't normally do and discover things that we would never discover on our own. And if we keep all of this stuff to ourselves, we never actually see those things and we never get to bring that person into the stuff that we love. Yeah. And I think that that's one of the coolest parts of, of being married.
0: Cause like maybe you do try to go running and you find out that you actually love it and it is something you can do together. Or maybe it's something that that person does. That's never going to be our story. No,
1: no. Maybe it's like a certain type of food or something.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Like (laughs) yeah, we're, uh, we'll, we'll push each other to be more adventurous eaters. (laughs) Yeah. We don't run. Um, one thing, you know, one of the questions was about conflict and resolving conflict and what to do when the other person hurts your feelings. And, Mm -hmm. um, That this, what we were talking about reminds me of this because I think that sometimes we squash down when our feelings are hurt, we don't say something Mm -hmm. because we want, we talk ourselves out of it. We think the fact that I'm mad about this is dumb or a good wife wouldn't bring this up or I'm trying to be, I'm trying to defer to the other person or put them first. So I'm not going to bring up this thing. I'm just going to sort of suffer in silence Mm because we think that that's better. But I think that that is also the cause of like something let me say this in a different way. I think that somehow that's become one of our like marital superpowers is hmm. is truly just talking about things way before they become a giant issue. Hmm. Because when something like loading the dishwasher wrong or something like, hmm. do, well, which I still do and sorry. But I think that like it, something small like that over time can make, it seems like a small issue, but when it's not addressed or when something small isn't addressed for long enough, it becomes a way bigger thing. And then you have to tell that person two years down the line or five years down the line Mm. or 20 years down the line, I've been mad about this thing for 20 years and I never told you, which is so frustrating for the person hearing it because they're like, you never gave me an opportunity to correct this. Mm. And so I think that the faster we can talk through something, whether it's a conflict or whether it's a hope and dream for life mm. or something small that hurt our feelings, yes, it's uncomfortable. But no, we shouldn't we shouldn't be talking ourselves out of the way that we feel because we still feel that way. and you can't get through it if you don't talk about it and like i know that we all like we are all guilty of getting mad about things that are little and yes we should totally let things slide sometimes and sometimes that's compromising with our person is like you know what i don't know if they're ever going to get loading the dishwasher right me just like let it go it doesn't matter (laughs) right yeah but if that's
1: no right or wrong way to load the dishwasher it's a way that makes sense and a way that doesn't (laughs) It's not, it's not right or wrong. No, when you said I that, I was like,
0: like, I was like, where is he going? I know you no, don't think that's
1: true. <laughs> I know it seem like, oh, you did it the wrong way. It's not the wrong way.
0: It's, it's just like, one way.
1: Doesn't that exist. doesn't? Why would you put that bowl on top?
0: It's creative. Yeah. Um, do you have any? Well, actually, let me let me ask this way. I think that one of the things that you and I both learned, um, and we both learned it just because of the context that we were in before we met. I think. Can you explain feedback?
1: Maybe I think so. I think it's the idea. Which is like the general idea. Yeah. I think the general idea is that it just, you need to have the, like the courage to say the things that need to be said and the things that are going on in your heart and your brain.
0: This is something we learned on the world race.
1: Yeah. 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 But just about like learning to live together with people in, in, in healthy community is to, to just whatever the thing is to get it out there And I think what's important about it, again, is that it forces you to take a certain inventory of your life and of your feelings and thoughts and to take ownership over them. Like, it's not just an immediate reaction, right? Like, I think that that's the biggest thing about feedback is that it's an intentional delivery of like an intentional breaking down of your own thoughts and feelings and then intentionally communicating to the person that to the other person what those things are in a way that is like productive or or constructive.
0: So it's not like in the moment, like, Hey, you were bad at this. Don't do it this way. It's stop. It's noticing something that upsets you. Yeah. Taking a minute to think about it, but, but like, but a day, not a month to, to at
1: least like an hour or two. Yeah.
0: To like, think about it and be like, what part of maybe part of that is you being kind of finicky or like, or like, a little too particular, like maybe some of it you can right. let go. But the thing that is actually true is like when you do this, it makes me feel like you don't care about me. And and yeah. like figuring out what the heart of it is and then communicating the heart.
1: Yeah. I think it's about creating a little bit of, of buffer between the immediate response in the moment and the thing that actually can help the person love you better or you love that person better. Yeah. And like taking the time to think through that so often it is just an emotional reaction and a response to something. Like, I feel like most major fights in any relationship, but not like marriage included, but like across the board, go from something small to something large because of things that are said in the moment, because of like emotional responses in that minute that you don't necessarily mean or aren't necessarily indicative of how you really feel but you just get caught up in it. And so I think that this is a big part of, of taking the time to, again, figure out what piece of this thing you need to own and what piece of this thing has nothing to do with that person. is not that person's fault. It's not their responsibility. Yeah. Realigning your expectations for the situation and then bringing something, like I said, actually productive or constructive to that other person that's that's more measured in terms of, you know, what what their role or responsibility is or, or, what's a realistic expectation for them.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, it's, it's, yeah, it requires a certain amount of like, I think emotional intelligence, but, but part of the beauty of it is that you build that as you do it. Yeah. So it's not like you, the expectation is that it's perfect from the beginning or anything like that. So an example, right. Is like you get in a fight over came home like this, like like a classic one, maybe is like, come home from work and you're like, Oh, dinner's dinner's not ready. Like I'm mad because I expect I had this expectation that dinner would be ready and it would be this thing, the bigger expectation is that this is my role and this is your role and that that's the way our life maintains balance. If I immediately dive into this thing, then we have this big conversation of like and and you can see it. Like I feel like we've seen it all on, you know, insert lighthearted sitcom here, insert not so lighthearted like maybe a little too real situation here. And, and somewhere in the middle is where this conversation is going to live. We're probably not going to come out of it feeling great, at least, you know, for a little while. So taking the time to just stop, even if it's a few minutes and go, okay, why am I upset about this thing? I'm upset because I'm A, hungry, which is not this person's fault. Great. B, had this expectation that this was going to happen and frustration signals this unmet expectation. Also, not this person's fault. Like. I didn't communicate that. We hadn't talked about it. Like, but just thinking through that, like how can I expect this person to know this thing that we never talked about or whatever on the flip side? Yes. We like, there's a situation where it's like, yeah, we agreed that I would have this and I didn't have this and I'm really sorry. And I'm going to fix it. But like we've got to take ownership over the parts that, that we need to take ownership of. The bigger thing is like, man, like I'm upset about this. I had this ex like, I am hungry. There's this physical response that I'm going through that's dictating part of this. B. I had this temporary expectation for this particular moment, and I got to deal with that. And what's my part to own in that? And what's their part to own in that? And third is that I have this bigger expectation of what this relationship is supposed to look like and supposed to be, and my role and their role, and we're not on the same if we're, like we're not on the same page about that for some reason, yeah. right? And so we've got to have this larger conversation. But most of the time by realizing I own, let's say just even half of the emotion, like all of the emotional stuff, half of the temporary expectation stuff, we can get, skip over those things. Cause that's just me. That's just me. That's nothing to do with you. Like I own those things. We don't need, like we can talk through them, but like, we don't have to fight about them. We don't have to have a conversation like about them. So we can really focus on the thing that That matters.
0: Where we're like, hey, what is our role in this? Yes, yes. I think the thing when you said about unmet expectations and like, we never talked about this, Mm -hmm. you know, if you did talk about something, then the conversation becomes, hey, remember we talked about this. Yeah. Like, I was expecting this because this is what we agreed to. What happened, you know, and trying to figure out how to move forward from there. If you never talked about it, I feel like every, this is like such a classic girl thing. I think you know, it comes out for us in like holidays or Valentine's Day or our birthdays or something like that. Like I wanted you to know that this is what I wanted, but I didn't want to tell you because it feels like it ruins it that I had to tell you. Yeah. Hey guys, I hope you're loving this conversation with Carl as much as I am. I wanted to pop in for one quick second to thank our sponsor for this week. Now our sponsor for today is an amazing company called Zola. Now you guys have heard me talk about Zola before, but they're a wedding company who's reinventing the wedding planning and registry experience. I know that lots of y'all are engaged right now, considering this is an episode all about engagement, or maybe you're dating someone and engagement is just around the corner. I also know that lots of us are bridesmaids and maids of honor these days, helping our girlfriends and our sisters plan the best weddings possible. And so I just love getting to share Zola with you. And I've told you guys this, but my little sister got engaged a few months ago, and so I'm her maid of honor and I've been helping her plan her wedding and truly my very first suggestion was that she sign up for Zola. It's been such a huge help to her already. I love what they're doing because for me, while getting engaged and planning our wedding was wonderful and fun and so, so special, it was also totally overwhelming. Zola gets this and so they've made it their mission to make the whole thing a whole lot easier. They offer free wedding websites, affordable save-the-dates and invitations, a wedding registry, and free easy-to-use wedding planning tools. You can conveniently manage everything online all in one place, which saves you so much time as you plan this big day. They really have thought of everything. You can create a free wedding website through Zola in just minutes. There are over 100 beautiful designs to choose from, and every single one of them is free. You can simplify your wedding planning process even more by doing your registry through Zola. They have the widest selection of gifts with all different price points and 500 top brands, including Cuisinart, Airbnb, and Sonos. You can also create funds for your honeymoon, for your future home, for a new puppy, so fun, anything you want. And if you do register through Zola, your Zola registry will automatically integrate with your Zola wedding website, which means that guests can get all of the details they need and buy you a gift in one convenient and beautiful place. Isn't that amazing? Guys, this is such a great resource if you're planning a wedding. The more I find out about Zola, the more I wish it had been an option when we got married. But it is for you and for your engaged girlfriends, so be sure to pass it along. To start your free wedding website and also get $50 off your registry on Zola, go to zola.com stephanie. That's Z-O-L-A, just in case you needed that spelled out. And again, to start your free wedding website and also get $50 off your registry on Zola, go to zola.com slash Stephanie. Zola, thank you so much for sponsoring our girls' night. We just love having you. Okay, so with that said, let's jump back into my conversation with Carl. But I think that something that we've learned that has helped a lot is that the more we can just communicate our expectations, the happier we both are. Because I'm not mad at you that Valentine's Day didn't look the way I was hoping it would because you didn't read my mind. And we get to actually celebrate Valentine's Day the way that I was hoping to. I I think that just the more that we can communicate our hopes and our dreams and our expectations and our hopes for the faraway future and our hopes for the near future and just be clear about those things and not expect the other person to be able to read our minds Mm -hmm. the more we can avoid fights and and bad days and and the more that we can be on the same page and really love each other well um i think that the expectation that the other person should be able to read our mind just isn't true just no one no one is able to do that
1: yeah i think that a lot of those things come from this like these beliefs about the way things are supposed to be, like Valentine's Day is supposed to be this way, or this event or this way of doing things is supposed to be this way, because that's what I've seen in, you know, whatever, that's what I've read, that's what I've been exposed to, marriage and and the balance of responsibilities and roles is supposed to look this way, and... I have this expectation that this is how it's supposed to look, and you have a different expectation, but if we don't talk about that, the most basic thing is that we fall into this miscommunication habit of, based on all my experiences and and exposure to things, this is what I have, and when that doesn't happen, it feels like we're failing. It feels like we're not doing it right because we're not doing the things that, like, a marriage is supposed to do that a healthy, you know, marriage or whatever is supposed to do, but it's not always like we don't always filter it through the like healthy marriage part of it. It's just like, well, I've seen that this is what happens. I saw this on a TV show or I saw this because my parents did it or this is how some friends of ours do it. And so I bring this expectation in that that's what healthy looks like. And we don't ever talk about it. And so it creates this opportunity for confusion and miscommunication. But the bigger thing you miss out on is actually deciding together what it is. Like we don't do Valentine's Day, you and I I don't do Valentine's Day the way that a lot of other people do. Because we've decided, no, that's like not how we want to do things that we want to do it our own way. We want to do things this like special way or roles and responsibilities have to be different. And we have to do those a different way. And we can't bring those expectations, but because We've had the conversation and Saturn said, what do you want this to look like? Like, start with short. Like, what do you think this is supposed to look like? But if that may or may not be true if that precedent isn't like binding on a successful marriage. And there's all this other freedom to decide what you want it to look like. You have to have the conversation and then you get to decide Mm -hmm. what it looks like together. And now you're on the same page and you're both choosing into something that is right for you. Not one person feeling trapped by what they think they're supposed to do. And the other person feeling like a victim of just like ignorance to the whole thing because they didn't have the same exposure to the same thing. So because they didn't guess right or because like whatever the thing is. So... I
0: I love that you said that because I think like this is like a whole long story like our first Valentine's Day was terrible because I thought Carl (laughs) was going to do something really sweet and amazing because he was so good at doing things like that and he thought we love each other so much we could have a great time anywhere. Let's go to uh, Red Lobster which there's nothing wrong with Red Lobster except I don't really like seafood.
1: I don't either.
0: And we had a gift card. We had like a $20 gift card and Carl thought it would be like a funny joke that like hey we're so in love that we can spend our first Valentine's Day at Red Lobster and he kept telling me it was going to be Red Lobster and I, the more he doubled down on that, the more I thought that this is an elaborate ploy to get me distracted away from this amazing date he's planning. And then it came down to it and we were actually going to Red Lobster and I cried and it was a disaster, but we saved it. But the reason I say all of that is because when we actually sat down, I actually don't need to be taken to a five-star restaurant on Valentine's Day. Like, I, there are a million reasons why that's not what I want. It's way more expensive. It's hard to get a reservation. They choose the menu for. it. It's just not. I don't. I don't want that. So when we actually sat down and thought about not what is this supposed to look like, what does? What do we want this to look like? We got to create our own way of doing things, and we got to create our own traditions. And you, it looks like you're about to laugh. Do you have something? To say? I just feel
1: the need to defend myself. <laughs> I, I probably don't need to, but there was more to it. And yes, it was we go to all these places. Let's not worry about the circumstance and the pomp of like making this arbitrary day right. that like into something, but instead make it simple and keep it about us, not about
0: anyway. Yeah, it was, um, anyway. it was a miscommunication.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we didn't clarify we didn't expectations. Clarify. We didn't have the conversation. Um, uh,
0: but so I, I do think, uh, I love that you said that because we've gotten to, uh, to, to imagine and decide what we want each piece of our life to look like. And totally. every once in a while, I get really caught up in like, it should look like this, or it has to look like this. And I do that way more than you do, yeah. but I love that you get to, and I mean, I did that a lot when we were engaged too, like they're spending their money this way. They hang out this much. They go on these mini dates, whatever. And constantly throughout our whole time of being together, you've brought me back and been like, Steph, we get to decide right. what this looks like. And so I think that's amazing. And so just to wrap up this like conflict resolution, how to deal with it kind of thing. I really think that the most valuable thing we learned and we got to practice it a lot. It was something we talked about a lot on the world race. So that's kind of where we started it, but to not let anger fester, like don't let it explode. Take a minute, but don't let it fester. Don't sit on it forever. Don't shove it down in the, in the interest of trying to be more accommodating or whatever, like take a minute and, and understand what piece of it is on you, what piece of it is like maybe circumstantial, but there is maybe something in it that you can communicate to the other person. One other sort of like little tip that this is really helpful for me because I'm such a, like, I feel like my heart is so tender and I'm like such, I'm way more sensitive than, I don't know, you are. <laughs> um, I feel like I could probably be more direct with you. But one of the things they talked about was the Oreo method. And so saying something kind and, and encouraging then giving the piece of feedback, but not out of a place of like, you suck at this. Like, Carl, (laughs) you're the worst at this. But saying, hey, like um, if it's the dishes example, like, oh, I'll I'll give an example in in a minute and then affirming them at the end. So it's like affirmation, like feedback, Affirmation. And so it would be like, Carl, you do so much around our house to take care of me and, and our home. And I just love that about you. You put so much work into that. I really appreciate it. You know, we've talked a couple times about the way that you like load the dishwasher, which is hilarious because I'm mm-hmm. the one who does it wrong. <laughs> um, we've talked a couple times about the way you load the dishwasher. And I know that your heart is always to to love me and take care of me, but the fact that we've talked about it a couple times and you like still do it this other way makes me feel kind of unseen and unheard. Yeah. And I know that that's not your heart. And so like, is that something that you could work on is like loading the dishwasher this way. It would just make me feel so loved and you are such a good husband. And I know that that's your heart. Yeah. So that's the feedback. It's it's not right. saying you're a terrible, lazy person because that's going to just incite more conflict. Yeah. It's saying, listen, I see through what's happening here and here's the real piece of it. it I, I feel not listened to. Right and and addressing it sooner rather than later so that you're not mad about the dishes plus forty other things a year right. from now or 10 years from now just get through it today
1: yeah it's not about the like some magic formula or like hiding like this criticism between two like Manufactured compliments or anything like that. To me, it's almost about one, like the science of the negative stuff has more sticking power than the positive stuff. So we really have to like as humans work to overwhelm the negative with positive of what of truth. And the other component of it is is that like it forces you. remember the things that you like about the person. It forces you to remember that this person is more than just this one thing that they're doing that's annoying you or this thing that like the circumstance of right now, but to think beyond that and to have this, this bigger picture look at your relationship as a whole and remind yourself that like, this is a human that I care about and that I love. And I'm doing this thing in love, not out of anger or spite or, or because I'm trying to like, I feel bad. So I'm going to pull them down. Like, right. no, it, it's gotta be like the Oreo thing kind of can feel cliche and, and do what's right for you. But I think that practice of remembering in the midst of having difficult conversations, remembering and being intentional about including what you like about the person and what's yeah. good uh, and what's working well, helps to, to keep things on track.
0: Right. And it helps the person step into more of who you know they were made to be. You're recognizing the goodness in them instead of pointing out the badness, I guess. Um, So Carl, there are so many questions we have here and I feel like so bad that we're not going to get through all of them. I just feel like it's kind of the nature of it though. One question that we've gotten from several people was, what's the best way to handle our significant other's wounds or sinful choices from the past? How do we uh, like how do we learn to forgive them? And then the other thing is, if your fiance struggles with pornography, what do you do about that? And how do you prevent that from like hindering your future marriage?
1: Yeah, I think that the biggest thing, I think the biggest kind of, way to set yourself up for success is to realize really early on that everybody has things. And it's and it's not about comparing and it's not about finding some way to like equalize to each other or whatever. I think it's about realizing that this person today is the person that I'm marrying. And this person today, this person right now, and this person in the future is who I'm agreeing to like, do life with. And I think that the reality is, again, everybody has these things. And the point is not, again, to compare or anything like that, because we only have the things that we know, we only have our own experiences and the things that, that we've gone through. But, but being comfortable, letting that person into who you are, and talking about that together, I think is is really important and and really a necessary piece of developing and understanding the vulnerability that is required of intimacy. Uh, like if you really want this with like relationship to have the depth and and meaning and and power that it's capable of, that requires a certain level of vulnerability. And I think too that like Having that conversation together is really important. And we also think that this is a really important time for if you don't already have like spiritual leaders in your life helping you understand how to do this, particularly in this season of engagement. Like that's the biggest unknown, I think, for most people is how to whatever intimacy has looked like in past relationships and whatever it has looked like in your relationship with this person up to this point this season of engagement like that's the biggest transition actually to me of like like finding that balance of like I know we're going to be married and I know that like there's this progression that comes but we're still not married and not physically but that's like that's the representation like that's one of the representations of this thing yeah but like of having these conversations if you haven't already and letting someone see more and more and more of you. And even in the wedding planning process of like, there's a depth of like in that working through some of these things and problem solving together, like there's like vulnerability that comes up about these things and and understanding expectations, all this stuff that we're talking about, there's the opportunity to be vulnerable and which creates that intimacy and, and finding that balance is, is difficult but i think that you've got to learn to trust that person is a safe place and unfortunately like, the best way to do that is to like believe that they're safe and and you have to like open yourself up to to that person
0: i'm so glad that you talked about vulnerability because really like we really do all bring something into marriage and yeah that's i mean sin is sin is sin like we have all fallen short of the glory of god we've all made mistakes and and really like they're not ranked like they're right. just we we've falling short is falling short and yes. i think that recognizing that in ourselves I think that's a really important thing to do that, like, listen, was your past perfect? Like, and and even if it was, even if you, like, followed the letter of the law, well, okay, there's so much like for way lack of a better way to say this, like yucky heart stuff in that too, that mm-hmm. like I have gripped onto the rules my whole life in order to earn, like that's not stepping into the the love and grace that Jesus offers us at all. And so there's even something in that that's broken. And so I think that like recognizing that we are all broken and we are all coming into marriage and really just every day of life with something That we've either done that we're ashamed of, that we've done that's slightly off, something that, or something that's totally terribly off, Mm -hmm. or something that's been done to us. When we can recognize that in ourselves, I think it's easier to be like, listen, I know that you have been through the ringer too in life. We all have been. And, Mm -hmm. and I, Recognize the pain that you've been through, and I love what God has been, how God has been redeeming your story. Mm-hmm. I think that that's something that was really beautiful for both of us. Is like we both made a lot of mistakes in life, like everyone else has. Are they just look different for all of us? Sure. But I think that you've been really. And we talked about this in the other episode, so we'll link to it in the show notes. I want you guys to be able to hear the whole story. But I think we've been able to really recognize through knowing the messy things that have happened to us and that we've done in the past, we've been able to see Jesus in each other's lives a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, man, God has done a work in you and it makes me love you more. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't make me love you less that you made mistakes. It makes me love you more One, how you handled them and how you like grew from them, but also what God did in your life through them. Yeah. One thing I do want to acknowledge though, is I think that especially when it comes to past like sexual sin, really specifically that that, can hurt us in a way that is different from some other sin. Like, so when we're thinking about getting married and being physically intimate with this person, knowing how many other people they've been physically intimate with is is hard. It's really, like, that's a very, um, I just want to recognize that. And I think that figuring out how to move forward in in that and how to reconcile both of your physical pasts with the future you're stepping into together. And I would say, any current like sin in your life, whether it's pornography, whatever it is, I think that that is a perfect thing to talk about in counseling period and also premarital counseling. Like we are huge, we both we did premarital counseling and we're such a huge, we're huge fans of counseling in, in general, um, which if you've been listening to Girls Night for a while, you know, because we talk about mm-hmm. it all the time. Um But really, I just think that that's one of those things that's just hard to navigate on our own, Um, how to navigate expectations, how to forgive things, how to even think about opening ourselves up. You know, that's one of the things. I've talked to so many friends and women around the world about their sex lives as married women, and every single one of us is bringing something in, whether it's something that happened to us in the past, happened to our person in the past, something we've done, something they've done, something is off some there's a miscommunication there's something like sex and the whole thing is complicated and it's complicated for all of us and so i think that if if you have some specific things in your life currently or in the past or if he does bringing those things to a counselor either individually or together is awesome because you will be able to go into marriage with so much more freedom when it comes to your sex life which is complicated anyway that's a huge transition in itself and it just takes a minute to like get the hang of things and figure each other out but you're able to go in with so much more freedom because you will have worked through these things that are just, I think, too big to work through on our own.
1: Yeah. I think that the, that one of the things I've been thinking about in all of this stuff is like with with these things, but also we were talking about earlier with just like expectations and stuff like that is that like one of the biggest pieces of advice I think that that we could, could give somebody who's in that season of engagement is that like this is a time to figure out not just like what those expectations are and things like that, but like a lot of this stuff is there are there are certain things that are like really solid things to stick to, but a lot of this stuff is like what's best for you and more importantly what's what does healthy look like for you, the two of you? What is your version of healthy? Because that's I mean, it comes in with all of these things about comparison and stuff like that. Like what looks like healthy or what looks like happy or what looks like like the right way to do life for somebody else may not be what happy or healthy or successful looks like for you in your marriage. And obviously all forms of intimacy are like fit in that included in that thing. And if we don't talk about it, we never know. And we're back to that thing of guessing. We're back to that thing of not being sure and having different expectations and all of that stuff. And if we want those things to be healthy, if we want to be on the same page about what healthy is and what healthy looks like, that requires us to not only be willing to have the conversation, but to continue having the conversation like throughout engagement and into and through marriage of here's what we here's how we're like evaluating our marriage. That's separate from how anybody else evaluates their marriage. I don't care how anybody else evaluates their marriage. Like I care about how we evaluate our marriage and healthy for us in these different areas looks like this. And knowing like there's a level of you're doing it together. You're like, that's the biggest thing is that it's no longer, you should be the, the, to me, like the measure, right? Like the thermostat on this thing is, do I feel like we're in this thing together? Whatever the thing is that like we're dealing with, do I feel like we're in this thing together or do I feel still like I'm doing this by myself and continuing to try to get back to and and pursue doing this thing together?
0: Can you talk for a second just about why we decided to do pre-marital counseling and kind of how it went?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that we wanted to know the things we didn't know was probably the biggest thing and to hear from people who had been married for a long time and who had experience doing premarital counseling and and wisdom from that and like just not like knowledge but more importantly wisdom of like hey yes you can do these things you know the way that you want and you're gonna have to make your own decisions but like from our experience. Here's some good places to start. Or here's some things. I mean, even more than that, it's here's the things you should talk about now. Mm -hmm. Here's the things you should work out now. Here's the things you should practice now while you have this, like, this time of, like, I don't don't want it. I, I go back and forth of, like, wanting to, like, make it this, like, isolated thing and also see it as part of, like, this Extension, But it is a season. It's a, it's, it's a time in life that is set aside on purpose, like for intentionally preparing to be married. Yes. And that's the best way I know to do it. Like, that's the best way I know is to invite people who are smarter than me and have more experience and more wisdom than me to help me to learn what I don't know.
0: Yeah, I think the, the ask having people to ask you questions was huge. Um, and again, like, you know, going back to the counseling, I think I this isn't something I did when we were engaged, but it's something I've done like recently. We've talked about this a lot on the podcast. Um, is that I've been in counseling, me personally without you, mm-hmm. um, for the last like more than a year. And it's been so good for me personally, but it's also been so good for our marriage because the healthier we are as individuals, the healthier our marriage is. And so I think that there might be some things that come up as you're going through premarital counseling or, you know, that have come up already where you're like, man, I don't know how to deal with this. That's... I would say now whenever now is for you is always a good time to go to counseling if you're looking at something where you're like i've been trying to get through this on my own and i don't know how i could really use some help with this help is available to you and taking that help personally will make your marriage so much better and so i know that we didn't really get to talk all the way through like the details of like working out like past sin struggles or past like uh, or like talk about pornography a lot, but really I think that those conversations are better had with someone like with a couple who can be there sitting with you. And, um, but those are, th- that's like the perfect thing yeah. to talk about in premarital counseling, well, but I just want you to know you're not alone.
1: And why I think it's important. I, th- I think that the, the takeaway from us is that to have the conversation and, and to force yourself to have the conversation, not, so, not again, as an exercise of like making a leisure or a record, right. Of all of these things. Of like, I have the, your list and you have my list and that's the thing. But like, as a practice of having difficult conversations more than anything, and as a record, uh, like, or as a practice of having grace for that person and seeing the humanity of that person and loving that person, yeah. like practicing loving that person and caring for that person and grieving with that person that other person. But the biggest takeaway is that like, you have an opportunity in this season of engagement to invite somebody in who hopefully like, I know that a lot of churches like require it. And like, that's, it has to be like with the pastor who's gonna marry you. And this is the pastor at this church. And like, you wanna get married at some special church and whatever, but like, that's cool. But that's not really what we're talking about. It's not like the required part, like to get the certificate. What we're talking about is an opportunity to invite people that you know and trust and want to be a part of your lives in now because this is not the only season when these conversations are going to take place and like having people be a part of your marriage.
0: Yeah. Having having go-to people starting. Yeah.
1: Now. Yeah. It doesn't have to start in engagement by any means but it definitely doesn't have to stop the day you get married. Yeah. And I think that that's the biggest like to put a you know bow on this whole thing is like you have an opportunity in this season of engagement to work out and practice what you think you might like your marriage to be like, but it doesn't have to, those things don't have to end the day you get married. And it doesn't have to like wait to start until that day. Like that's the the fluid piece is the working out definitely continues of working out what you want this to look like and figuring things out and healing and learning to love each other well and all of that stuff. Like, it begins in a new way, I think, when you're engaged, but it only, like, continues and goes up and, and grows. And so the line isn't, like, as definitive as I think sometimes people try to to make it of, like, yeah, you're not, you know, graduate from marriage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know?
0: So I know that one of the things that so many... This is sort of, like, one of those hot-button kind of... You know where I'm going with this. I know. One of the things that people ask a lot is about like boundaries in specifically engagement. It's hard because you're like almost married, but you're not quite Yeah, Um, when it comes to living together. So I want us really more to just talk about what we did Mm -hmm. rather than like give a formal argument for, you know, whatever. I just want to talk about what we did. Carl, did we live together slash did we have lots of sleepovers slash did we I can't think of a way. Now I just want to make a joke. Uh, were we physically intimate? <laughs> I thought of all the ways I could uh-huh. say it. And I, and I just decided to, I don't know. Cool. Yeah. Anyway. Went right down the list. Yeah. So did we, did we live together? How did we handle that?
1: No, we, we decided that we wanted to like make the most of, of like, we're excited about marriage. We're excited to get married and, and for all of that stuff, but there are parts about being not married that we wanted to like soak up that, that last piece of and, and, one of the things for me and for you too was to have like that time with roommates and to, to continue um, living with these people and, and sharing life with those people. Cause that's not something we're going to get back. Like you can't go back and, and do the roommate thing. Um, most of us can't. And so there was a healthy separation that came there and, and a benefit of like, yeah, I want to, I want to keep doing life with these people for the rest of the time that I have.
0: I think we, um, I remember talking to my dear friend, Casey, when you and I, this is on the other episode we did together, which again, we'll link to it, but we talked about marriage like pretty quickly when we started dating. Mm -hmm. And I remember talking to Casey about that and I, and Casey gave me the best wisdom and she was like, Steph, you only get to do this dating thing once Mm -hmm. and you only get to be engaged once and then you're married. And, and she was like, I think that if you really are here for this. If you're really present for it and really soak it in and really do it intentionally and do it well, that will build the foundation for engagement Mm -hmm. and then doing engagement really well and being really present for it will build the foundation for marriage really well. And I think that, you know, it was hard because I wanted to just like skip ahead, but I think that her advice was really good. And that's really what we tried to do in all areas. So we didn't live together and we did our very best to keep some physical boundaries before we got married. I mean, we did a really, really good job. Um,
1: Part of that was having other people around, like having, like being in situations where there were other, yeah, there were other people.
0: Yeah. So I think that that, you know, that was just really important to us that we like That's something we were really excited about to have be a part of our marriage, but we weren't married yet and we didn't want to, we didn't want to rush it. We wanted to just be engaged. Yeah. One thing that I feel like I should really admit to is the fact that, so we didn't really do sleepovers either. And the reason for that was because we were married yet and we knew it was going to be so special to get to like wake up together. And we just didn't, for me, I didn't want to like peek and open the Christmas present and ruin the, like, it not a surprise, but I just it felt like it was going to be so sweet and I felt like I was sort of stealing from it by like, taking it early, I guess. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that makes any sense, but I have to admit though, that I was so bad about that. Like I hated it. I Mm -hmm. hated when you would leave at the end of the night, we'd be hanging out and it'd be late. And I'd be like, you can just stay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like I was like the sleepover seductress, like anything I could do to get you to stay and just like hang out with me and cuddle with me. I just was so excited for that next season. But you were a champion about being like, listen, I love you and I'm so excited to be married to you, but I'm getting up and I'm going home. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like that showed me a lot of strength in your character and and showed me like just the the man that you are to to be so to to set a, an intention and to follow through with it. Mm-hmm. I think was really cool. Okay, Carl, I want to just ask you, you know, one last question. I know we've talked about so many things and just do you have any last encouragement for the engaged couples that are listening? Just any last bit of advice or wisdom or just encouragement for them.
1: Yeah. I think that it's very true that the way we, like, you know, the seeds that we sow in one time, like in this time of life, produce fruit in the next season. That's very true. The way that you are right now, the way that your relationship is right now, the way your engagement goes, the way your wedding day goes, doesn't define the way your marriage goes and it's a constant choice and there's pros and cons to that. But like you, it's a, it's constantly choosing to do this together and to continue to have the conversations, to continue to decide what you want your marriage to look like and how you can become a better husband, better wife, better together. And so I think that trying and, and make the most of the opportunity, but I don't want to add more, like I don't want to add more expectation or or add more pressure to like the situation because I don't think that that's the point. I don't think the point is to like build up all of and, and add to all of the things that we put into this time. If anything, it's to say like that, I think deep down we know when we stop for a second and step away from, The planning and the magazines and the guest list and the like, dress shopping and the flowers and all of the things and the like, the receptions or you know all of that stuff. The like, yeah, showers and finger sandwiches. Like when we stop and step back, I think that we really know what's important. I think deep down, we all know. Okay, this thing matters and this thing doesn't. And as long as together we stop and every once in a while remind ourselves and remind each other this is the stuff that matters. We want this stuff to be great, but it's it's temporary. Continue to help each other focus and and pour into and invest in the things that matter and let the other stuff kind of figure itself out. Let the other stuff go. The things will happen the way that you want them to.
0: I think that's I think that's so good that it's Do this season intentionally. Soak it up and do your best and focus on the stuff that matters and invest there and try to let other stuff go and love each other well and start having these conversations, but also take off the pressure of feeling like you need to do it perfectly or Mm -hmm. like it should look like somebody else's. Your engagement season is so unique to you and your personalities and your season of life and I mean, we got to find out the hard way. You can have a total wrench thrown in your engagement yeah. season that you don't see coming. It's going to look different for everybody. And that's okay. Yeah, Just love each other and have the conversations and and do your best. But know yeah. that if it's not perfect, welcome to the club and you're going to be okay anyway.
1: Yeah. I think that the test or like the filter to put things through is what is the order of priority of like voices? What's the priority of voices in my life. There's so many people that have opinions about your wedding. There's so many people that have their own expectations. There's so many people that have their own wants and needs and all of those things that it's really easy to get that all clouded and to let that get in the way of those important things. And so like, is my bridesmaid's voice louder and more important than my fiance's voice? Maybe sometimes. Okay. Okay. Let's stop and refocus.
0: <laughs> this is our wedding, not yeah, mine. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Is my sister's voice louder than God's voice, than my fiance's voice, than, you know, stuff like that. It's hard. It's not saying, obviously, like, don't honor those people. It's just to remember. And th- this time is about resetting the priority of voices in your life, your mom's voice or your dad's voice or whoever when you get married is no longer, or your best friend's voice is no longer the number one voice in your life. The number one human voice in your life becomes your fiance's voice if it's not already. And don't let that get mixed up in the day, in in planning the day. Use the season to practice prioritizing voices the way that you want them to be prioritized.
0: Uh, That's amazing. (laughs) I love that. Um, Carl, I am going to put you on the spot here real quick. Would you just pray for the couples that are listening just to close us out? Yeah. Or just pray for them.
1: Yeah. God, we thank you for marriage. We thank you that you designed this experience that you see us and you know us. And for some people, you've said, hey, this is you're going to smash your life into somebody else's life. And it's awesome. It's really cool. It's really hard. It's really fun. It's a really, a really great time, the time of of being engaged in of of celebrating and and of practice and of intentionality and of refocusing and realigning your life and all of the things that you've been doing with somebody else's. And so we pray that we, that the people who are engaged would take advantage of the time, that they would hear you clearly together, and that you would help them to see those things that really matter. That you would help them to see the voices that are too loud, that you would help them to see the things they need to work out, the things they need to talk about, the expectations that need to be set, and just the, the hope for what you have in store for them. And pray for everybody involved in the process, parents, brothers, sisters, families, that they would be reminders of what love looks like, that they would be supportive, that they would be helpful, that they would be kind, that they would be selfless. <laughs> and we pray that, that you would put people in older, wise guides in people's lives to help them ask the questions they don't know to ask to help them have the conversations they don't know to have and to be there to just walk through this season and and future seasons hopefully with all these people we really love you and we thank you so much for just who you are in our lives you're good and i'm really glad that we get to do this together and with you jesus name amen
0: Oh, I just loved that conversation. Friends, thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I cannot tell you how much it means to me to have you here at Girls' Night. So that's it for this episode. And actually, that's it for season five. This is our last episode of the season. Isn't that crazy? I feel like it went by so fast. But don't worry at all because we are just getting started. We'll be back in just a month or so for season six. And we have so many amazing new episodes headed your way. But... Before we sign up for the season, I wanted to ask you guys for a big favor. Actually, it's a small favor, but to me, it feels huge. Guys, if you enjoyed this episode, or if you've been a Girls' Night fan for a while now, would you take just two quick seconds to leave us a rating and a review on iTunes? Those reviews help out our podcast so much, and it would really mean the world to me. So if you would take two quick seconds to do that, I would be so grateful. All right, friends, thank you so much again for joining me for Girls' Night, and I'll see you in just a month or so for season six.